Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy. Welcome to a special live episode of Tape Notes in association with AIM, recorded as part of National Album Day at Maloco Studios on the 10th of October 2019. We invited the brilliant Franco-Cuban duo Ibeyi and their producer Richard Russell to talk about the working relationship that has created two magical albums. We were joined by a small audience in the intimate setting of the pool at Maloco, with everyone equipped with headphones supplied very kindly by Sennheiser. Before we go to the live recording, here's a quick introduction to our guests. Ibei first turned heads in 2014 with their single Oya. The duo, Lisa and Naomi Diaz, twin daughters of Buena Vista Social Club percussionist Anger Diaz, freely blend modern pop, hip-hop and electronic influences with the traditional sounds of their father's Yoruba culture. Naomi handles percussion on the cajon, butter and launch pads, while Lisa provides vocals and piano together forming a captivating and hypnotic combination. With Richard Russell taking the helm as producer, the pair's self-titled debut album was released in 2015 on XL Recordings. The label, now into its 30th year, rose to prominence with The Prodigy and has gone on to release era-defining records from The White Stripes to M.I.A., Adele to Radiohead, Vampire Weekend to The XX. Richard joined as an A&R scout in 1991 and is now the CEO and co-owner, a role he carries out alongside producing the likes of Gil Scott Heron, Bobby Womack and Damon Albarn to name a few. His last project was his debut solo album, the Mercury Prize nominated Everything Is Recorded, which featured an all-star cast of collaborators. XL released the second Ibei album, Ash, in 2017, which included contributions from Kamazi Washington, Michelle Endegoicello, Chili Gonzalez, and via a sample, Michelle Obama. So, now, let us go back to Maloko Studios, and what better way to start that conversation with Lisa, Naomi, and Richard than by playing the song they first worked on together, Oya. Fantastic. Ibei with Oya, and I would like to hear a nice warm round of applause for our guests here, Richard Russell and Ibei. <laughs> so good to be here. So Richard, Naomi, Lisa, and I'm John, and Oya is the first song that we were going to look at in depth. The very first song I ever heard by Ibei. Was it the first song that you heard, Richard? The first time I heard them was on YouTube uh, and it was a clip of them supporting Alice Russell 
in Paris, I guess. Yeah. What song was it? Mama, Mama Says. Oh, Mama Said, that's it. Right. Which we, also reco- which we also recorded on that album. Yeah. But then I think, I think you played Oya the first time I like listened to you play together. Yeah. Uh, we met once in the studio and we didn't play any music. We just talked. And then uh, you said, okay, let's meet a mm, month after and you will play everything you have. And we came and we played every single song we had, which was kind of 30 songs. And so, yeah, we played Oh Yeah. That so, so you performed 30 songs yes. for, for Richard, yes. just that special audience, 30 songs in a row and just the two of you. Just yeah. the two of us. We were acoustic at the time. So it was just now me on the cajon and me on the piano and singing. And what I remember, which is insane is that you made a list you were like this song this song yes 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 these songs i'm not sure and it was the one we had made in our heads so it was kind of the confirmation that um we had found the one (laughs) (laughs) so richard's choices aligned with your choices yes about what songs you wanted to prioritize out of those 30 that you had that's amazing i had the thought from from seeing them do that the main thing i thought from seeing you do that was like oh this will be really easy (laughs) <laughs> like for my sort of in terms of what I've got to do yeah because they're actually they're a band and I never really work with bands in a production kind of capacity because I always feel a bit like if you've got four or five people like you sort of need to include them yeah so it's then you've got all line. these instruments <laughs> that you might have to include and you might not really you know I'm quite a minimalist really. I don't really want I'm not sure I really want someone playing live bass on this but then is that person going to be upset and so I'd always liked the idea of working with a band, but I, I, th- I had a feeling that in practice that might not really suit how I like to work. And then when I saw them perform, I was like, oh, this is like a band. It's like all the upsides of a band because they're so, like, they, can, they, were, they were doing it and it sounded great to me, but I could see how there was like another 10, 15% that could be added to it that we could work on together. But really it was all there. I think it slightly might have appealed to like the lazy side. Well, I was still quite ill as well, but I think it might, I just thought this will sort of happen. You know, this isn't going to be like... um pushing some huge rock up a hill like Sisyphus. Yeah, that is kind of more straightforward than say, I mean, you had worked with Gil Scott Heron uh, at this point, you know, you had the experience of Gil and um, obviously you'd brought in different musicians to work with Gil, but he was very much a one-to-one relationship you had with him. Yeah. And I guess the same with Bobby Womack as well. Well, they were very different things. They were almost opposite things because Gil was very... um, like I was really going out of my way to first of all to, to get him to do it. I mean, I was instigating it, and he was pretty like could do. You know, <laughs> the thing he said was, you know, you, you not all the dreams you appear in are your own. So he was like, this is your dream, so I'm happy to appear in it. Right. Whereas Bobby really wanted, was really keen to make a record, to be out there again. He really wanted to be heard. He felt like he hadn't really been heard, and I did that with. Damon and Damon and Bobby already had a relationship. So, and actually that was, I was being brought in by Damon to work on that. Whereas the Gill thing was very much, I sort of saw it as like a personal, I just wanted there to be another Gil Scott Heron record. And I thought that's only going to happen if I, if I make it with him. Um, So that was definitely, I definitely put myself under a lot of pressure in doing that. And it was very intense and it was very great and, and sort of life changing. The Bobby thing was much sort of easier in a way, and, and was really fun. So I think I kind of saw this as being in the in the fun category. I mean, I was whatever I'm working on, like that is the most important thing in the world to me at the time I'm doing it. So I mean, I, I would take whatever I'm doing seriously. Mm. But when they performed all those songs, I did kind of go, oh, you know, this is like 
this is pr- formed. Yeah, yeah. So where was that? Can you remember where that was? That you were. Oh, it was in your studio. Yeah, yeah. It was in your studio, and we were actually saying the the first time we met was in the studio, and we we opened the door, and we not, we had really no idea who we were going to meet. We we were really young and like oh. Because I'd got in contact with them after I saw the YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. you had no preconceptions about who Richard Russell was. No. In uh, but you would have heard. They just told XL, and we were like, "Who is XL?" And they told us, you know Adele? Well, that's Excel. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay. They were, no, I remember they were like, it's big. It's really, really big. But also we had no idea what we were going to do because it sounded like, okay, we're going to go to your studio, meet meet him. But we don't really know what, why. And then, we're young. And, but it's big. Yeah. And we were really young. We were 18. And then we opened the door. We smelled the studio and we knew. And we looked at each other and we're like, okay. And then we went up the stairs and we saw you on the floor. We saw Richard on the floor. And I'm saying with no shoes. And we're like, okay, it's him. And then everything you would say, which is quite miraculous, was right. You know? And we were like, oh my God, he's right on every single thing. And it just hit the nail every time. And then uh, I remember leaving the studio and looking at Naomi and we're like, okay, we need to make him want to work with us because we found him. Right. So how would you do that? We prepared the 30 songs and we're like, well, this is us and this is what we want to do. And also you asked us a really interesting question for us at the time, which was like, how do you want it to sound like? We're like, oh my God, we never thought about that. Like, what a weird question. And then we (laughs) thought a lot about it and Naomi was like, this is how I want it to sound like. And so we came back to the studio, played the song, said, this is how we want to do it. And then you and were did like, it. yeah, a month after we were in the studio <laughs> recording, it was really quick. Yeah, but but but, but because there was a um, clear concept there, right? Because I felt like it, it was in its sort of acoustic form, mm. it worked really well. And you can never really predict, like some people want to kind of just keep that. But you talked about wanting it to be wanting to have electronic elements to it and wanting, wanting it to have that kind of edge to it. So for me, that was probably more exciting that they wanted to do that and it meant we could explore things. But, and the fact that they had the, I guess you'd call traditional elements in place in that um, Lisa and Naomi are both vocalists, Lisa's a keys player, Naomi's a really good percussionist. So that combination of elements and the fact that they were interested in sort of exploring things sonically. And I kind of felt like the way my studio is set up that I could facilitate them to use stuff and to kind of, and that's one of the things I like to do to kind of go, right, well, the, what you've talked about there, this might be a good way of um, exploring that and executing it and using, you know, analog equipment, using drum machines, using samples, using whatever we, we felt like using, but in a way that was sympathetic to what they were doing and didn't get in the way, you know, that was led by what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So having heard these 30 songs, and having agreed to work with each other, how did you then proceed? I mean, you say it happened very quickly. You talked about what you wanted it to sound like. Um, Oya, the song we heard, um, and the song we're going to explore first. You know, as you say, Richard, the ingredients are are simple in a way. You know, we, we know what they all are, and yet there are all these subtle aspects mm-hmm. to it, to the recordings of both albums, um, that you only get on deeper listening. Can we just go back to the smell in the studio? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because you're going to light a... Well, I brought some incense with mm. and my lighter's not working. So has anyone got a light? This is audience participation and involvement. 
um, we appeal. So this is interesting. So the, the smell yes. of Richard's studio was one of the first things that hit you, Lisa, when you went round to. It's his so studio. important, mm. you know. It's it's actually it's really important, and um, every time we go back, it's the same, and I love it, and I think it really transports us and and makes us feel at home. Yeah. And also Richard loves his incense. So he's really into incense. So everywhere he goes, he has his, his little kit. Yeah, it's which impressive. Which I think is awesome. Yeah, it's very yeah. impressive. So It's great. So going back to the recording, now that we've introduced that, so how did you go about recording Oya for the first time? And was that the first song that you, you recorded? Should we listen to the demo of it? Yeah, that would be great. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So is that recorded in the studio? So this is your studio in West London? And it's Richard, interesting. be careful. Oh, yeah, we belong. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, we belong. Every day, if I don't feel you, even if I see the most beautiful things up in the sky, if I don't see you, take me away. That sounds great to me. And it's interesting, the girls' reactions to Naomi and Lisa both yeah, apprehensive about... It was six years ago, it feels like we were babies. More. More. Yeah, but I, I, I like that sense of apprehension that you had. The sharp intake of breath. That, oh no, we're going to play the demo. <laughs> I didn't know he had it. Yeah, so that was the first recording. So um, did you take that away and have a think about it? Is that what you the process was? Or? No. I mean, listening to that, I think it just... Hold on, what's this bit? Let's say this bit. Right, so the, the arrangement was different. Yes. Wasn't it? Yes. Because the drums come in, come out, come in, come out. And we started with, oh yeah, when we lord away. And then we decided that that would be the outro and make a momentum out of that. Here, yeah. And in a way, we simplified the whole thing. Yeah. By having this, it's in two parts. Mm. Yeah. The song, the first part doesn't have drums in it. The second part does have drums in it. And the big change was that when we went to the studio and we started producing together, we realized, okay, the most important elements of eBay are drums, whether a mix of drums and beats, but also vocals. So we started doing backing vocals and, and like, uh, how do you say layers layers of backing vocals so they would be more hunting and more hunting and i think that is what made oya really it's all of those voices stack on each other yeah, yeah we can listen to some of those the the um the backing vocals we have backing vocals everywhere are incredibly important Even if i feel the sun on my skin and this is how the song starts yes
I guess I'd say that's the that's the main thing that's the difference between because hearing that demo I would have thought to everyone listening to it you'd kind of think my job is clearly quite easy yeah because <laughs> because it sounds good I mean yeah. that's that's Oya that's clearly recognisably Oya the, and the backing vocals are the big the big change and there's there's a Melodyne on them so that not too Melodyne is like it's it's like a pitch correction software but it wasn't to correct the pitch just for the effect of it yeah um, and is there an organ in the background there a- that that what you're hearing there is but I think is part of the effect right. that you get so the voices by, by putting it through the Melodyne that makes the voice it's you know like what like the effect you get from auto-tune mm. of things sounding a bit more um, robotic robotic like I wouldn't particularly want to work with someone where you needed to use it so they could sing right. Yeah. So it's not for that purpose. It's more as a creative tool for the sound. Yeah, we love. What did you? But it, it's become part of your sound. It helps create this um, choir-like uh, feel to, to your voices. I mean, when I first heard Oya, and one of the reference points that came to mind were Le Mystère de Voix Bulgare, mm. um, which was an album that had been re-released by 4AD when I was younger and, and was my first introduction to that amazing sound of Bulgarian choirs singing together. Um, and and who, we so, sa- who we sampled on the next Who you record. sampled on the se- at the beginning of the second album, which is quite interesting mm. because it, you know, I don't know whether you had heard those choirs yeah, before. Yeah, so, you, so you had already heard that kind oh, of yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Right. Definitely. It's folk songs and, and we grew up listening to folk songs. I think also the idea of using effects like that is that we are just two voices and it's the best way to create a choir. A choir that sounds like you, but not that much like you. Um, so it's not too weird. Um, and it, it kind of amplifies the sound and makes it deeper. Sometimes it also makes it sadder. Um, so yeah, it's it's like distortion, for example, for a mm. guitar. It's really an effect. Yeah, I think that's a good. That's a really good metaphor. And I think what's happened with with the use of auto tune in music is probably a bit similar to like when acoustic guitars went electric. Yeah, I don't think I touched auto tune at all working with Gil or Bobby. I think I'd have been apprehensive about it. I think initially also there was a, you know, it was associated with singers who couldn't sing in a way. There was that aspect to it. But then there was this other aspect creeping in of it just being used. And what I started to notice was when you put auto-tune on in the studio, which I'd always been apprehensive about, vocalists found it exciting. It's so And start, fun. start kind of jumping around more. Right. It's so fun. Which right, made really me think of what it must have been like when people started hearing guitars amplified for the first mm. time. That must have been so exciting to hear that. And it's a it's a sign of our time. Right. So it's like when you will go back in 60 years and 100 years to the albums that were created during that time, the majority of them will have that that sound and will be like, oh, my God, it was the autotune time. Yeah. But and, and at the same time, if you knew about Eastern European folk choirs, mm-hmm. you know, you're bringing that together with your own. Uh, personal backgrounds of the Franco-Cuban combination and and your uh, acknowledgement of roots and your interest in roots and the way that you you know use Yoruba and um, kind of go back to Africa in a way I think there's a quite a a sense of depth to what you create with your music and the perspective that you bring to it you're not just in the now you're tapping into roots that go back hundreds of years. And at the same time, listening to Eastern European choirs and somehow wanting to 
evoke that as well. It's an interesting combination of cultures that definitely when I first heard the music of Ibeyi meant that I couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was coming from and what it what it was, you know, which was one of the really exciting elements. It's like, what is this? Who are these people and how do they create this and why? And 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 I love the idea that you're aware of all of these different perspectives and able to then use a modern instrument like uh, an auto-tune device to kind of somehow create this almost ancient yet modern sound. Yeah, but because we are all of that. It's mm. not It's not that um, we decided, it's that we are all of that. We are a mix of what we inherited from Cuba and from France and from the world. And we are a mix of the past and our ancestors and what is right now popping in the clubs and actually what we listen to is super eclectic and I can go from uh, the Bulgarian voices or Yoruba song to Cardi B and and (laughs) no transition there and and, and I'm in the car and I love it. I think um, eBay is the reflection of who we are as as people and I think you knew that. You you felt it and we never even discussed it. We never discussed, okay, so what kind of music are we going to do? So should we put a little bit of Yoruba, but then put some backing vocals, but then make sure that there's electronic and also like wood materials in it. So it's like we never discussed it. It was, you, you got it. You knew that this was it. Because some certain things are right. And you have to know what they are, I think, in what, yeah. you're, in what you're working on, that, what are the right things to do and what. And then there's also, it's, it's interesting to explore the edges of that and to see where things can be pushed. But I think if you're in any type of creative process where you're not, you're not all looking in the same direction. Well, then it doesn't work. Yeah, then there's, yeah. Then there's something wrong. So yeah, I think I, I definitely had natural instincts about what they wanted to do. But also that was, that was easy because they had a lot of music and also not just a lot of music, but a lot of music with their own really quite distinctive instrumental sound rather than if you were working with a, yeah, I mean, you know, because you could be making a record with a vocalist and then it's all, it's all up for grabs and you could do anything as we can. But the fact yeah. that they've got these, this core sound, mm. I think is um, appealing and adds to their uniqueness. So you took Oya, you rearranged it a little and started to employ these elements such as the melodyne and the auto-tune to create these. I mean, I didn't do that. We did that together. Yes, yeah. So the three of you. Right. So when you recorded the song, are you doing it in sections or do you do a performance? Uh, I I can't remember whether that whether that lead vocal was a single take or whether do you remember? I I don't think it was a single take, but what I think is that especially for the first album, the idea was getting the song done. And not just, oh, I'm going to get all of the song, I'm going to half sing them, and then at the end I will re-record all of the songs. So every time I would sing the song, I will try to get it um, as perfect uh, as it could. And But that, especially with Oya, I mean, as like deep as I could go. And especially because you two were in the room, that's also another thing. We were all in the same room, so... Uh, I was performing, but there were two. Their silence was performance. If they were looking at their phone or if there was a beep of something, it would have been in the recording. And normally when you when you do voices, there's a glass and then people are behind and they're talking about what they're going to eat for lunch. And you kind of can see and feel that, that the tension is not the same. 
but every time I recorded voices with with you, we were together and it was really nice. Um, so we all three normally doing something different and playing at the same time. We kind of performed together mm-hmm. and for several takes. And uh, it happened that, um, you know, you two are playing, I mean, approximately the same rhythm for th- 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh, my God, can we move on? And then, like <laughs> jamming together, um, Richard on the beats and Naomi on another beat. Um, so, yeah, there's a, definitely a performance. Well, me and Naomi both really like hip hop. Yeah. I think in our minds, we're making hip hop records. At all times, <laughs> which which then don't necessarily sound like hip hop. No, records. they don't. When we always try to, but we we try. We honestly try. We like this one is hip hop. But that's, and I don't know what goes. But wrong. but I think that that for me is quite a theme, like in music making. Mm. And I've spoken to other people who have this experience. Like I spoke to someone who's a like a jungle producer the other day, and he was saying, in my mind, I'm making hip hop, but I'm not American, and you know, I'm from Bristol, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to do and he could he said that's what you're always trying to do and I was like yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and occasionally I do make a hip-hop record but rarely you know nor- normally it's not coming out like that um but it is informing it yeah if I was alone I would make record hip-hop records yeah well you know but Lisa could... always bring me back to <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not even try- it's not that I'm trying to bring you to like the weird side it just happens <laughs> <laughs> and that, and I'll that, be like Cardi B. That's actually <laughs> twerking. <laughs> that, and she will make mel- mel- melancholic, depressive songs. So that's why we're together. That's right. why we're a good. But match. then that's part of the magic. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that's that great combination. That's a powerful. That's a powerful combination. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That actually that that was another fundamental thing that happened with Oya was the combining of the percussion with electronic drums. So that would have been another thing. Because Um, as you say, I mean, the drums don't come in until about two minutes, you know, and they make a big impact when they come in. Um, And they change the whole feel of the song and the whole feel of our perception of of the sound of a bay and, and what this is all about. So you had to kind of make sure that those arrived at the right time. You know, yeah, so that was that, his idea. Yeah. He knew that it, we needed to um, keep you waiting for the rhythm, which is a really powerful thing because as human beings, we're waiting for it. We're always like, oh, where's the rhythm? One, two, three, now. And it's not happening. And so we wait, we wait, we wait. And then your idea was also to do the break. The glass. The glass. Right. Yeah. The glass, the break. <gasps> Take me. And then and the gla- having the, the glass was an announcement. And this was the first time people heard you. Yes. Right. Mm. But actually, before we get onto the glass, so, so the re- I was just going to try and find. So Naomi's Bataz, which sounded like this. So there's Naomi. And then the, the electronic drums. And then there's a there's a sub kick in there, and then the bass is a bass synth and MS20 electronic bass. And from what Lisa was saying, so are you playing in the, those in live? Yeah, we play along together with so as much so as possible point. in the studio. Yeah. We kind of play stuff. We can so mm. touch um, everything, and that's what makes it fun and keeps it spontaneous. Mm. And means we're not like just layering things on a computer screen. 
Um, so as much as possible, we'll play stuff together and get the vibe and kind of work out what we're doing like that. And sometimes use those takes because the electronics have to, they have to feel part of it. They have mm. to feel um, like an organic part of the whole, like I said, rather. So I think if you're playing together and the electronics are being played and we'll all swap around and, and use different things, you're trying to serve the song, you know, you're trying to do whatever the song is kind of wanting you to do. Mm. Yeah. And also it's what makes us happy. Yeah. Truly, it's the best part of making a record is getting to be all playing in the same, you know, you vibrate together and everything is vibrating around you and everybody's playing and you're like, oh my God, okay, we're close, we're close. What else? No, no, like try this, try this, okay, and we're all together in it. That's what you like about producing. And sometimes you love it and the next day you're like, oh. It was bad. That was really bad. <laughs> that happens that you're like, oh my God, we did the most incredible thing. And then the next day you go to the studio and you listen to it and it's like, oh no. Hell no. Was it this? <laughs> but this is this is a particular strength of Naomi's. I think that you've got an incredibly good ear for what is right for a bay. And you make those decisions really instinctively and quickly. Because I think this is another way that um, the studio process can become painful for people. Yeah. Is if they're not making strong decisions because they don't really know Mm. What's it's meant to sound like? And I think, I feel like Naomi's got a kind of deep instinctive yeah. feeling of what is right for an Bay record. And there's a clear communication between us. So we'll be trying things, but she's very good at saying, we're doing this, we're not doing this. I'm like, no, we're not doing <laughs> and it's, this. And it's, it's really important. It's really important to have that. And also she knows which songs are going to be in the album. Because yeah. when yeah, we well, started producing well. the second album and she was like, this song is going to make it for sure. This song is going to make it for sure. This song. And we were all like, really? And she was like, I'm sure. So it's funny, you really have that instinct. I don't, for example, not at all. I could work. Also, I never know when we need to stop. That's another thing you have, Richard. You know when a song is finished. I could work on a song forever and then rebuild it and like deconstruct it, rebuild it again thousands of times and not feeling that I haven't fi find it. But Richard is really good at saying, this is it. This is its essence. Let's stop now. Yeah, because it's like cooking in that regard. Mm. Like, take the cake out of the oven. <laughs> Cakes don't just keep getting better and better. Yeah. The longer you leave them in, there's an optimum moment to say this is done. Yeah. And then make another one. But you need to do a taste test as well to see what extra elements a track might need. But you know how we, we do that? Really no, do no, no, no. Yes, we do that. We do that. We do that together. So what we do is we put... That's something oh, yeah, yeah. you taught us. You put hundreds of things in and then you start taking off and taking off and That's taking right. off and taking off and taking off until you take off something and you're like, oh no, it needs it. And then you take off something else and you're like, mm, okay, I take it off. And then you take off something and oh, it needs it. And then when everything you have in your song is something you can't take off, your song is done. Yeah. So having recorded the vocals and these percussion jams, what other elements did you think, oh, we, we, we could add? Well, then there's, no. the, there's the glass. Yeah, so wh when did you think, oh. glass, that's what we need, smashing glass. Oh, that was glass. something. We did a video and all that. Yeah. yeah, well, that, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I can't quite remember what prompted it, but I felt like something needed to kind of announce 
everything. So I yeah. thought, and then I thought about glass smashing. So, I mean, we, I, we actually have video footage of you smashing the glass, but I think you wanted to share some of the the previous experiences of glass on record well, that had kind of inspired I just you. Fa- I found my folder of my favourite glass breaking records. I, I just love the fact that you had a and folder with favourite glass breaking records yeah. on. Well, I mean, he that, has, a, he has folders Russell, of a lot it? of weird things. That's, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, that's like the producer nerd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's, that's it. So I think this is, this is the for me, this was probably the, I mean, this is a kind of definitive song in a lot of ways. And this is the message by Grandmaster Flash. So this is one of the most important songs for me growing up there was. And there's quite a long intro. Mm. And before he starts, you hear the glass smash. So it's in a way, I don't think I was consciously referring to this. Yeah. But when I listen to it now, so I'm going to forward to this bit, won't it? So we're all body popping here, here in it comes. the studio. It's quite a simple take, isn't it? Do you think it's just a beer bottle against a wall? That's a bottle. I'm uh, pretty sure. And there's no question that they recorded it mm. because you wouldn't have been able to just grab a sample off the internet, yeah. which if anyone's using Breaking Glass in the song now, to be fair, they're going to do that. But they wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Then the ne- my next big glass smashing song... Wow. I like that one. That's Prodigy. Yeah. And there's a lot of glass smashing in that one. Yeah. And then the song with the glass smashing where it's really a big part of the story and the narrative is one of your favourite ones, which is uh, Babushka. I love Babushka. Right. It's By Kate Bush. Bush. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know the story? Do you know the story of the song? Which yes. Is- so the story of the song is this woman that um, she kind of has the feeling because of pure paranoia that her husband is cheating on her. And what she decides is to write a letter, an anonym letter to her lover, but calling herself Babushka. And uh, the, her husband falls in love with Babushka. Um, and then she goes further and she's like, let's meet. And so she's going to meet the husband as herself, but the husband thinks he's going to meet Babushka. So she's lured. So they, they meet in a restaurant and she is... Disguised, yes, as a right? y- as a younger girl, and he's getting friendly with someone who he thinks is not his wife. <laughs> so she gets angry, and like the I think the glass starts flying, and that's the point in the song where so let's see if I can right. find that. Wow. So, so did you suggest this, Lisa? Were you you saying ah oh, breaking glass like Babushka, or no. or were you were, you? Were, I don't. Well, that that was know. all in his head. Right, right. So yeah, the, I, didn't, I never I really explained any of this. Yeah, but then that that's part of this process, isn't it? Like there's there's elements of Lisa and Naomi's songs, which I understand either because I've heard it or because they've explained it, and then I think there's elements I don't, mm. and I don't need to. You, you know what I mean? There's yeah. gonna be things you're putting in your songs which are totally mm. personal. Yeah, and as long as I understand what the feeling is, and I think with the sonic things. That I'm doing. Sometimes I'll be, I will be thinking about referencing things, and it, it's playful. And I'm probably just doing it to entertain myself because <laughs> I don't know if any, you know. Yeah. And so, and, and also, I, I think I'm processing those things quite quickly. And it's like you don't want to get, you want to go too like. I mean, it, like you said, it's it's nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely. I, I appreciate that this whole playlist with all these you but know, songs. But now I, I feel that we have to hear the breaking glass in Babushka, <laughs> otherwise. We won't right. get that sense of. Uh, um, babushka, babushka, babushka. 
is better. I love than it. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we had to take it out seriously. That's what I thought. Yes. We had to take out. But if we're going to use, I'd never used glass smashing on a record before, and I thought if we're doing that, we're doing it properly. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is time for the for the video. If you've got the video, if you've got oh the video. God, wow. So there is video footage. To describe it for the podcast listeners, um, it is a snowscape. So um, no, it's not snow. It's not snow. It's tarpaulin. Ah, okay. Because, because we got a huge sheet of glass. Yeah. This is the glass. And a breeze block. And then I realised there's going to be glass all over my garden. <laughs> and also glass going into everyone's eyes. Yeah. So. We, that, it was one of these things where the consequences were, were a bit unforeseen. So I was like, okay, we can't But not just, by you. you. You were thinking things through. Yeah, it was like, we can't just drop this breeze block on this sheet of glass and it's all going to be all right. So we covered the garden of, with a tarpaulin. So and, the tarpaulin's white. And then if you, if you roll that, you'll see that Lisa and Naomi have a lot of protective... Yeah. So oh Lisa and Naomi emerge... <laughs> And we are so terrified. Protective we are terrified suits to throw in white it. as well. You can see at one point it's a white like, breeze block. Oh, so at one point and we there's a microphone above the glass, so it's a gla like a glass window. Did you go down to um, Wicks or something and buy a glass local panel? glazers? Yeah, right, local glazers, West London. <laughs> just hesitated. But that was not wow. the one. Oh, no. can we hear that again? That was great. <laughs> and the kid, there's more. Oh my god. The Name one is coming. went straight back in, no gloves. Ooh. That one was the one. That is a hell of a crash. I like that fact. And now. <laughs> wow. They're going in with their feet. No, don't film that. No, 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 no. <laughs> then we went, we went like ham with our, with our legs and just smashed everything. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Lisa, you just <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> there was a nice playful jump in the air for that last crack. Oh my god. And then the footage actually pans to a Don't load of a row of milk anywhere. bottles. Reserve. Right. Very clever. Milk bottles in reserve in case it for some reason. But didn't it would work. be a different kind of sound as well. You know, a, totally. a small glass bottle that hit against a wall, which I think sounds like the one that they used in Grandmaster Flash, compared to your sheet of pane glass smashed by a, a breeze block. Two people holding this breeze block. It's impressive. That's it. You've thought this through. I mean, you can't do these things lightly. No. <laughs> these are important details. They are. And especially then, the health and safety thing. It's very impressive. And I suspect until this moment, no one listening to Oya has ever realised that, <laughs> that went into it. And, you know, you could get a glass smashing sound off a sample pack. Mm. But where's the fun in that? Yeah. No, yeah. they don't sound the same. It's no, true. No, and the first time we listened to it in the song, we jumped. We were so happy because it, it was perfect. I think we should hear it now. Take me Wow. That sounds great. And having watched the footage, it seems really satisfying. <laughs> that. that is brilliant. And that was, and it was French. The French that, part. That was the French part of the song. It's though. so funny. I was just thinking about it. I don't know. D did you tell us that we should do a French part? I it? thought there should be. Well, I still think there should be more French. Yes. And I think all French artists have a uh, kind of complicated relationship with singing in French. Like you haven't heard 
a lot of French on any Daft Punk record. Mm. And there's clearly some complicated thing. Yeah. What is that? I think that French is really hard. Uh, it's really hard to to write your emotions so that they don't sound just cheesy. Corny. You need to be extremely talented and poetic, but also you don't want it to sound too posh. So it's a really difficult language. So I remember when I found that, ah, toi le seul et l'unique, toi qui parle mon cœur. I was so happy because it's simple. It's direct and simple. And I thought, okay, this I can work with. But if I had to write, oh yeah, the whole song in French, I think I would have struggled a lot. But I'm still hoping that um, that I'm going to write more and more in French. What do we have in, what does the part in Oya mean? The French. Uh, the French part means, oh, you, my only one, you that are living without me. You that are talking to my heart. I love the combination of the different languages on the records. Uh, and also it feels right. Yeah. Just, it just does. Well, it's it, it, because it's you and because you that's how you talk. Yeah. And you do switch between different languages when you talk. Yeah. So to me, that is a natural thing to have on the records. Mm. And there's just didn't, yeah, no reason to not have that. I mean, I, I always got the impression that like French people have a complicated relationship with the sort of history of French music. Yeah, there's also that, but because we have loads of cheesy music, but we also have incredible. absolutely incredible lyricists. But they were geniuses. You know what I mean? They were like poets. They were out of this world good. So it feels like to get to that level takes a lot of time. And at that time when we met, I had been writing for years, but in English. So suddenly I was like, I can't, I can't get to, you know, I need years of experience in writing in French before I can write a full song in French. That's interesting. So English being the international language of pop, possibly. Because English is more direct. Yeah. And then there's Yoruban on this song as well. Yes. Yeah. So there are, there are three languages on this song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, where does that come in the song, the Yoruban? It's first the prayer. And what are you singing here? So it's a prayer for Oya. Oya is the goddess of the cemetery. She's also the one that takes you from life to death. She holds your hand from life to death. And this song is about that. This song says, take me Oya if I can't see your face anymore if I can, can't feel you anymore then take me oh yeah take me to die basically wow and so it's a prayer for you fantastic so that that's the whole song and you know that was from the debut album by Ibei yeah the first album um and we're going to look at a couple of songs from the second album which is called Ash which came out a couple of years later You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. 
Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labeling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers, and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organize set lists, and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favorite features within Tapeit Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tapeit sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favor. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give tape it a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off tape it pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So the first album, um, I would say, had a big impact. Um, it, it definitely threw Ibei onto the world stage. Um, how did you approach album number two? You know, what did you think, what we have to say on our second album? I think it was the continuity of the first one. Yeah. I think the the complicated one is going to be the third one. We actually talk a lot about the third one, but I think the second one was we knew what we wanted to do for the second one during the first one. Right? We already knew we wanted it to be bigger. We knew what we were creating for the first one would be intimist and 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 in a way a, a way to present ourselves to the world and also it's a song it's an album that um, talks a lot about our family. Mm. And it's really personal. And we knew that for the second one, we wanted it to have a bigger sound, to be stronger and like fatter. Um, and also we had toured for two years and met so many people and heard so many stories and traveled the world. So all of this came into it. And we had had a month off between the end of the tour and the start of the recording of the second album. So it always was the continuity of the first one. Yeah. And you welcomed other people into the fold. So on the first album, it is Richard and Naomi and Lisa. And then with Ash, um, there are quite a few different uh, featured artists. Kamazi Washington's on there. Chili Gonzalez is on there. Mm. Um, and Michelle Endegoncello is it's on the track that we're going to look at now. Yes. But I think your mother appears on... Yes! On, so she speaks... Yes, but that that Richard can tell you later all about it. But it's funny what you just said because when we did the first album, we were so protective of our music, and we were so we wanted it to be so a hundred percent us that we would not have trust anyone except Richard to actually put their influence on it. Um, for the second one, touring for two years made us feel that oh, we know who we are as artists now and we know what our sound is and we know what makes Ibei, what what is the combination of sounds and feel. Um, so um, we were like, now we can play with everybody. Now we can explore with them. Now we can open our doors and be like, come in. So we we were super excited too. Yeah, I was, I was thinking when you said that, I mean, it takes confidence to work with other people kind of to invite and also they're all it's funny when you read that list 
they're all like super like heavyweight musicians. Yeah. Like those three particularly. They're geniuses. Are, yeah, these are all like really like they are all masters of their yeah. instruments. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't like we were like inviting people who were kind of mucking about. Yeah, and I think we were conscious too that we couldn't do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. I remember having this conversation with Naomi being like, if we're going to do exactly the same album, then we need to stop right now. Mm-hmm. There's an idea of, you know, I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with evolution. I'm obsessed with like, what's next? What, what, what? I, I want it to sound better. And what is amazing with this trio we have, truly amazing. It's not only we grow together, but we also grow a lot individually during those years where we, we are not in the studio. And then we put it all on the table when we're together again. And so everybody's better. So the first track we're going to listen to from Ash is Transmission and Michael Lyon, Michaelian? Michaelian, right. So there's two songs in one, in effect, and it has two halves. And Michelle Endegaciello is on there. Now, And did she come after you'd been looking at the song? Which way round should we look at this? Should we hear a burst of the song first or do do you want to build it up uh well i've got a demo oh, oh yes. my god <laughs> i sing in my tears right yeah, i always do that i announce what i'm gonna there must be a way out of this cause letting go of the fears hatred revenge and loss just being there was no transmission present, was there lighting and then I've got a demo rhythm track as well. It was so pop. I love it. It was so pop, and then it became it became the the most. Is the password? to listen to it because it shows you how much a song can transform itself and it's true that uh, we have uh, this thing where every time I come with like a little banger it becomes like I mean a little banger for me I don't know if you'll think it's a banger but uh, it becomes this weird this weird like um, experimental song though I don't um, I'm not sad about it I think Transmission and McKillian are probably my favorite song to perform live and the one that really takes people on a trip together and we make the audience sing so I really don't um, I don't think the first version uh, I don't miss the first version Can we hear a bit? It's play- I've got it we might do this version Transmission 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 There must be a way out Transmission Lighten in the layers of the 
Listening to that choir, is that just Lisa? Is there mm-hmm. two of you, Lisa and Naomi, or is it? Uh, is there a, how many Lisa and Naomi's? No, no. This to? this time, I think there's some of us in in there, but uh, this time we were with a choir. Right. Um, we what's their name, Richard? I did. I see They're like a local gospel choir who um, Lisa directed very directly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, yeah, I mean it was br- it was brilliant. I mean I was kind of like I somewhere picked up on the idea that if you weren't going to become a musician you were going to become a school teacher. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and those skills are actually pretty useful. And I'm I don't feel like I'm that sort of I'm not that direct in directing people, yeah. really. Whereas Lisa, that is so true. And Lisa took a very direct. I'm sorry. And I kind of loved it. I know. I thought this is great. And they were because, listening really well. Because, and also <laughs> they're like, you know, they're all very, they're all experienced yeah. professional session singers. Yeah. Basically. And Lisa was very much like. No, like it's, that. It's going like this. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Do you have any recordings of the direction? Or is there anything? No. Like that? Oh, I should have. I, yeah, you know what I think. But I, I can tell you. I yeah. can tell what you, you what I remember really well. So it's 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 this idea of it's not because you're in tune and it sounds beautiful that it's what I want. What I wanted was to hear their soul, and I was saying to them, "You're singing transmission. You know, you're." This is you taking people on a trip, and the most important element for me in this song is you. It's your voice. This is what people are gonna sing. This is what people are gonna like. That's when they're gonna transcend a little bit, you know, listening to those voices. So you need to be in, present, deep. And I and it took a little time to like. I remember you crouching, I quite, like I squatting like, yes. on the floor and saying like, "Down here." <laughs> yes. And that was really good. And then they got it. And they are blessed them. They they are awesome. They were great. So hold on. This, I think this is your backing vocals. Yes. That's you. And then with the choir. Yeah. Awesome. But I loved it. I loved doing it so much you know what you just said about uh, you directing uh, but not in a direct way it's really funny because <clears throat> it's so true Richard says things to you before he leaves for example he's gonna leave he's like bye see you tomorrow by the way have you wrote a song about your dad and I'm like no and he's like oh you should think about it and leaves and then I'm like <laughs> okay now I need to write a song about my dad and this happens quite often you yes. say really important things just before you leave so you don't even have to explain them you just like plant seeds and every time it works every time I'm like we know okay. how you do now right then I'm like wow. okay wow <laughs> this is something I need how to do. thought through is that I don't think it's thought through at all but when you were talking about it I did think of this I got this amazing interview with John Lennon, where he is saying what he thinks about people being told what they should do and like how to live and stuff. Um, another folder. Yeah, yeah, that's another folder. I've got a lot of spoken word. <laughs> I've got great. a lot of spoken word folders. Many, many. Um, oh, hold on. There's a bit here. This might be it. Produce your own dream. If you want to say Peru, go and say Peru. It's quite possible to do anything. But not to put it on leaders and parking meters. Don't expect Carter or Regan or 
John Lennon or Yoko Ono or Bob Dylan or Jesus Christ to come and do it for you. You have to do it yourself. That's what the great masters and mistresses have been saying ever right. since time began. I can't wake you up. You wake you up. I can't cure you. You cure you. Wow, that's really powerful. It is. I can't cure you. You cure you. And I think he's right. Our, our, our main job, and that's something I'm learning, is to take care of ourselves and to make the music we want to make, you know, and to find what that is and to, and to shine our own light. And then if that has an impact on other people, it's fantastic. If that makes you want to do the same, it's the best thing. But as soon as you start thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it for you so I can save you, so I can help you, so it, then it becomes crazy because you already don't know how to save yourself. So how can you know how to save other people? How to? And also when people are making things because they're trying to achieve some Rich, yeah. ego-based result because of that. You know, if that's going to happen, that's going to happen. And I think when, but when that comes into the creative process, which it, which it is in a lot, in probably the majority of what you will hear on the radio, things are being made to be on the radio. And then it lacks the quality, which, which has the specialness, which means it, it has some purpose beyond that. Mm. It's funny, you have that in, in, this, in your studio, which I love, um, be, on the door before we enter the studio. It says no outside realities. And I always see it like that. Here in that space, I just think about what I want to make, what we three want to make, what we want to say. And I don't think about the impact it will have on other people. And I don't think about the fans. Then I think about the fans. Then obviously I would think about it when I leave the room. But when I'm in the room while creating, it needs to be almost holy. Yes, it needs to be. It does. Be. It needs to be so good. I mean, look, these things creep in, right? Because everyone's only human. Yeah. I mean, it's our, it's our jobs, so people want to do well at their jobs. But there's a line, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of the time when people are thinking about that, they don't need to be thinking about that. And if that kind of energy went into the creativity and the making of stuff, all of that can, can happen. Mm. It's interesting that you're able to source um, sound recordings of somebody like John Lennon. Um, because that does link into another song we're going to look into in just a minute because you use some other uh, samples of speech. But yeah. with regard to transmission, Michaelian, I can't seem to say that for some reason. Why? <laughs> Why can't I say it? <laughs> no, no worries. It's the name of... Um, actually, Michaelian didn't exist. Transmission existed and it was called uh, Sing and My Tears Dry and it was this pop song you heard, uh, the demo. <laughs> um, and then Michaelian... We kind of created it in the studio and we were looking at books. Uh, Richard, for this album, we started making the album at your country house and there was books there and I took two, one that is going to be relevant for the next song and you gave me another one that is relevant for this song called The Citizen by Claudia Rankin. And we had loads of books around and we were opening them and reading, you know, sentences and just looking what were in those books. And we find, found Michaelian, which is a place where people go to see angels. And so we started creating the song with that and with the feeling of suddenly, you know, suddenly clear and quiet like underwater, like this, the feeling of... When you're so content, 
you're like on the water. You know that feeling when you're on the water and you're in your own bubble, there's no sound, there's nothing. It's just you and the feeling of being content and so that's what we did. It's an interesting um, arrangement. So it's, so it's two songs. Mm. Again, I think in the back of my mind I was referencing certain other songs. I don't know if we ever discussed this or not. Certain no, other songs no. which do this. No, you told us. Yeah. You, I remember really well you were like, you know sometimes you have two songs and really it's one song? We're like, really? And you're like, yeah, should we try? And we kind of glued them together. And it worked. And like, like it worked instantly. Yeah. Yeah, because they're all, I mean, there's, there's some songs which really are two songs where like the verse has come from one song and the chorus yeah. has come from another song and you kind of jam that together. And sometimes when you hear a song where the chorus really leaps out, it's because the chorus is from another song. Yeah. So this isn't that. This is two songs segued into one another. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the two references for that, there was uh, Pyramid by Frank Ocean, which is actually, I think, three songs. So that's more like a sort of medley. Um but you can feel this kind of um, continuity through it. Mm. And also Station to Station by Bowie, which starts off with mm. that. I don't know if you call it a medley or it's, just, you know, the songs that segue into each mm. other. And it felt like there was some connection between these two songs and we could create a transition between them. And I was going to say that I just noticed to the first half, Transmission, there's no drums, but this is where Michelle and Cello plays bass. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she actually played... She played beautifully for us, but she played quite simply. Super really simple. simple. Which, like because she's capable um, of obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah, she yeah. does like, crazy things. So well, when that's the thing, when it says featured Michelle, and then you listen to it and you think, no, I can hear her, but she's not all over the. No, place. No. But I think that's why I really liked it in a way. I remember listening to it for the first time. And we were like, oh my god, okay. We were we we, we thought she would do something different, and then I realized no, she's giving you the pace of the song. Hmm. She's giving you the deepness of the song. She, she's telling you, this is how you should feel. It's like just really deep, slow bass. And in a way, it must be difficult for her to play like this. It's yeah. sick. It's so restrained. Did we... Did we tell her that did we no, say it should no, be simple no no she did it i mean she's really just mapping it out melodically yes. so when did michelle come in to your studio and record with you or did she, she did it she didn't um the majority of and uh, no, actually except chile Chile Gonzalez, all of the musicians because they were touring mm. did it in their country and then we received it like you know, like if it was Christmas. Right. Chili, came, Chili came in. Yeah, right? except yeah. Chili. Chili came to the studio. So you sent them what you had already put together. Yes. Right. And then there's a synth bass as well. Hold on. Let's listen to this bit. That MS-20, we use the MS-20 a lot. And the 808. Yeah, but there's... And Lisa's playing piano and it's going backwards and forwards at the same time. So that's creating this kind of droning. So um, I chopped up her piano and we kind of put each chord on backwards, which kind of creates this droning thing through it. 
love it. Mm. It's like being on the water already. If you put a piano backwards, because obviously a, a piano, each note is fading out with quite a long sustain. So if you put it backwards, each note is fading up. Yeah. Which, so together, they, they, they work quite well. Yeah. And then Amazing. the transition. So the end of transmission has the, had already this synth melody. We had that already, but it was fading out. And so when we put McKaylee and, and we kind of made those two songs um, merge, we were like, okay, we need one last element. And Richard was like, we need a voice. It's like, my voice? He said, no, like a sample or a voice of someone you love, a voice of a woman. A spoken voice. A spoken voice. And we were like, should it be mum? And you were like, yes, that's perfect. And then you said, yeah. just tell her to read, um, to read something she likes, a sentence she likes, or someone she loves, or an artist. And our mum sent us a, a record of her, like a note, note of her reading uh, Frida Kahlo which is Pies para que los quiero si tengo alas para volar my feet why do I want them if I have wings to fly and it was just I mean that really is my mom's genius it was perfect Pies para que los quiero si tengo alas para volar después de todas las horas vividas sin más deseo que seguir hasta encontrarse lentamente con enorme inquietud pero con la certeza de que todo lo rige la sección de oro I love, I love that. that that's, that's my favorite moment on the record hay un movimiento hay movimiento hay luz there's a movement there's light all of the centers are the same craziness doesn't exist we are the same that we were before and that we will always be Without thinking about the stupid destiny. Wow. So I that mean, is. Drop Mike! <laughs> drop Mike! Maya Danino in no, the place! Can you put the. the, oh. the Your favorite one? moment on the record, though, Richard, uh, what when, was that created? Uh, it's the same as when yeah. I play, when we play this on stage, I'm like, <clears throat> when Lisa doesn't do, you know, when I don't mess up, she <laughs> doesn't mess up. <laughs> Just that. So is that another backwards piano or chord or is no, that? No. This is Lisa playing um, the prophet synth. Mm. And so that kind of jingling sound, that is, that's just, I mean, that's not there deliberately. <laughs> I mean, and it's just beautiful. And you can't, you know, those things that you've just got to let those things happen. You know, because I'm technical, but I'm not that technical, which I think does allow stuff to just happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking for a, a nice setting on a on whatever toy it is you're playing with. And I think in that... Sometimes they, we yeah. talk in the record. So that was the voice of Maya, who is the mother yeah. of Lisa and Naomi. But you have another voice on this yes. track. One more voice. Yes. So it's from a book called The Citizen. So that is crazy because Richard gave me the book when we started recording. And I read it and it's Claudia Rankin. She's a poet and the book is poems she wrote about any, every single racism um, um event encounter. or encounter she mm. saw or lived and we were talking about being underwater 
And then there's a poem where she is talking about Katrina, the cyclone. Um, Hurricane Katrina. The hurricane. Right. Hurricane Katrina. And she says, I did not know what the water wanted. And we were like, while we were play while we were making the this song i was reading this poem specific poem i was like this is fate and also it's so wonderful because that's exactly how i feel about it you never know what the water wants she can swallow you or make you leave that's her deciding on what she's gonna do with you i don't know what the water wanted i don't know what the water wanted from the audiobook, right? Yes, yeah. from a whole book. So it's her voice. Yeah. Wow. So another element brought in. And it's interesting how they all of these things have tied in. I mean, this is you know, the the beautiful creative moment where you've got a song transmission, Michaelian, which is about heaven, and you know, you instructed the choir to, to be a, a take people up as if they were going to heaven. And then your mum comes up with some lines from Frida Kahlo that that tie in with that as well. And the the book that's about racism, but talks about water and that i mean this is what is this the miracle of being in the studio when there's an incredible energy and you find your people to make your album is that things float and it's actually really playful it's not all thought about and super like calibrated it's it's an energy it's a movement and we try loads of things that don't work but we have fun trying them and then we take them off and until but we, but you we find work quickly, it. though. Yes, until mm-hmm. you find it. Yeah, yeah, it is quick. We were it really has been, quick. It has been yeah. quick doing these, doing these records. We were doing two songs a day. Wow, that is impressive. There's a bit of... Um, so this is like a tuned 808, tuned 808 tom-toms. And there's a, like a layer of vinyl crackle, which I put on there. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be done. I think so. You know, you'd be surprised how much difference something like that makes in my mind anyway. <laughs> Those are the things. No, but it's true. Those are the things we never think about. But actually, your unconscious ear hears them yeah. and it has an impact in your brain. Now, what about this little noise? Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. this. Yeah? That's, yeah. that's one of our voice pitched down. That sounds cool. Um, we've got to move on because um, we're just thinking about the time. No Man Is Big Enough For My Arms was yeah. the other song we were going to look at from the album Ash. Um, and this has some more uh, voices in it. Yes. Um, and it's interesting because it's also multi-layered in terms of the use of samples because, um, and this ties in in a way to, I would think, Richard's background in, in dance, you know, in that the use of the first choice sample you know, that, that this track by First Choice is one of the building blocks of house music. You know, it's a song that was released, I think, in the early 80s. Late 70s. Uh, late 70s, but it became used in the early 80s when house music was being developed because it was made in the disco era, but it had a 4-4 beat. And so in exploring the 4-4, um, they, they kind of were able to extend this and manipulate it to, to fit the sound in the warehouse that became mm-hmm. house music. Yes. And Richard, as a student of the development of dance music, would have been very conscious of finding out what those samples were and what those original inspirations were as well, and would have picked this up at some point. 
And the interesting thing is that we're listening to the track, but when you listen to the Ibei song, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, yeah, of course, that is first no, choice. No. I'll just forward it to the bit we um, borrowed. Oh, shucks. Hey, let me tell you something. Now, they call me an Aquarius. Now, you know what that means? That means that no man in the world. No man in the world. So that's the bit that gets used. The original song is Let No Man Let Put no Aside, put, put Asunder, that's Let it. Let No Man Put Asunder. Yeah, so like, as, as you explained, the a cappella of that is like a building block of dance music. Now they call me an Aquarius. Now you know what that means? That means that no man in the world can let go. So this, this song, No Man Is Big Enough For Moms, there is no demo version of this because this is such an unusual... Well, we, we made it in the studio anyway. Yeah, and mm. it's really a collage of elements that um, we kind of pulled in from different places, but it's very. But, but the, the message of it is so clear. Yeah. Um, and it was only really in in preparing for this, I kind of looked at it and thought, this is a really really unusual construction. Yes. Um, and the way it was born to is really unusual, because we were in Dorset and. So in Richard's library, I like picked up um, a book called Widow Basia. Um, there's an I don't amazing... actually have an actual library. No, it's not a library. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I called it the library. It's, but... it's, it's a modest, it's a modest dwelling, but it is in Dorset. You do get, yeah, go on. Yeah, and, I'm and so sorry. I don't know why I said it. Li- I don't know why I said it. Actually, it's actually a shelf in the it's toilet. It's a shelf, yeah. It's actually a shelf in the toilet. But that's yeah. kind of a library. It's yeah, a, it could be a really library. tiny, teeny, yeah. small one in the toilet. In the West Wing. In the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I picked it up because I'm a fan of Basquiat and I started oh, yeah. reading it and realizing it was not about Basquiat it's about Suzanne who was Basquiat's one of Basquiat's biggest love and in the f- couple of first um, pages she says that when she was seven a man came to see her and told her one day I'll come back and I'll marry you and at seven she looked at him and said no man is big, big enough, enough for my arms. arms and when I read that my jaw just like dropped and I was like it's incredible that a seven-year-old would say that to someone and then I thought about it I was like I would never say that to someone and then I thought about it again I was like I don't even think my grandma would say that to someone and I thought okay women should say that I'm enough no one is big enough for my arms. So uh, when when downstairs the next morning and I was like, Oi, Richard, Nana, check this out. No man is big enough for my arms. And Richard was like, oh, that's a song. Then you made a beat. Then, Kiki. Ah, you didn't like the beat. Exactly. But I'm going to tell that story that too. really well. No, it's not that I didn't like <laughs> that beat. No, no. So that was the first beat. That was the first beat. Which Ooh, I was really. Is that? It's good. It's good. It's like army like. That's need to be hip hop, though. So this beat was great. I love that beat. I was really proud. The song was getting, you know, build. Everything is <laughs> good. Proud. And then, I I went to the loo because I needed <laughs> to go to the loo, and when I came back, the beat had changed. This one. And I was like, why are you making a bit where it looks like we're in a car and like kind of driving? (laughs) And we're like, we love that. And Richard and Naomi were so in love with the beat. I was like, no. I was like, you can't change the beat while I'm in the toilet. 
I was so mad. And I was like, we're gonna keep that beat. And Richard and Naomi loved the beat. And that told me a really important thing. Never go to the toilet and let those two people alone in a room. Never. No, but, but now you now you have it. Now it? I love it. I think it's right. So the other first beat got discarded, or it's still in it's still in the memory bank, no, obviously. No. But it's not in the song. It's not in. Mm, it's yeah, not in. Yeah. And so when we had the beat and we had the first verse and the second verse, which which says we create, we can fight, won't stand still. Um, and that's and that's won't all be it, shamed. That's all it says. Yes. So those those words Lisa just said. That's all of the lyrics. Four words. Four words, which I really loved, and I, and I think you can often overwrite a song. And some songs are deceptively simple and people leave a lot of, you can leave a lot of space. Like if the music has got the, the feeling, you can let it breathe quite a lot. So you can punctuate it. And I thought the fact that, yeah, that the, the, these verses that, that they wrote were so minimal, but they were, they were everything they needed to be. I was really into that. Hmm. And then we were searching for a speech. And so I, Richard said, we need a sample. Yeah, we need a sample because Richard always said we need a sample. He has a th no, but like he has like the seven cents for the for the good for songs. Sample. He's always like, we need it, you know, we need a sample. So we were searching, and I was like, I did you hear um, Michelle Obama's speech? And Lisa was no, I didn't hear it. And Richard had heard it, I think. And I was like, maybe we should listen to it. And then we wanted to take a little bit of it. We take half of it. We took half of it. <laughs> So now we have half of um because what she says is so important and relevant mm. and powerful that instead of being just a little like no Polit man in the world mm. it became actually she became a futuring she became part of the song and the message comes through her too. Yeah. And what Lisa's not going to want to tell you is that since this song's come out she's made friends with Michelle Obama. <laughs> no, I wish, but I spent a night next to Michelle Obama. And no, with Michelle With Obama. Michelle Obama. And it was one of the most incredible nights ever. And I was really proud that we made um, this song and that I could talk to her about this song and that she said yes, because we had to, to, you know, clear that sample. Everybody was like, oh, it's going to be complicated. And like, uh, I remember Ben already kind of trying to say, like, how would you describe a label? He, well, he, he runs XL, he and I think the, the person in that position, when you say, I want to sample Michelle Obama, is probably going to say that's going to be difficult. Yes. Because yeah. it is difficult yeah. to do those things, and you've got to jump through hoops, but it's worth it. And it he was, was like, it was okay, but kind of letting us think, like, don't get too attached to this sample, because it had happened in our first album that we had to get rid of a sample, because... So, Two samples because they didn't. They, I mean, it was uh, too complicated. So we were like, it's not worth it. But that that experience is, um, you know, when you sample someone, you are collaborating with them, yeah. without them knowing anything about it, and so it is quite it's risky. So we were not sure at all, and then, then it was easy. At our end. friend Jr. helped us. He's an amazing artist, and he knew someone that he knew did the, the Obamas. He did the artwork. He, he did, did the sleeves. The, the, the right. sleeves of Ash. And he knew someone that knew the Obamas that sent the song to to Michelle Obama's team, and they said yes. And I was like, amazing. Oh my so God. the the song that you sent was the completed version with yes. the Michelle Obama speech in it, yes, sampled and with all the effects that you had put on it, because you you kind of repeat a few phrases, don't you, Richard, within the song, and you put some echo on it as well at the end it kind of echoes and and fades off in a beautiful way and so that was all as it is on the record 
Michelle's team first heard it and then sh- did she hear it or uh, how so- do you think that worked? I probably, I don't, I actually don't know. I remember that when I asked her, I was like, oh, you know, we sampled you. And she was like, oh my God, you did that. And then she, it looked like she might have known about it, but I don't think this is the thing that she was thinking about at the moment, really, because we were, Trump just got elected, you know, like it was like, <laughs> probably not in like them, but she was, um, I mean, I told her that it was such an important song for us and for everybody when we play it live. And it's still such an important song. We just came back from Brazil um, and singing that song and putting like images of women that really changed our lives behind us and honoring all of them and singing it in front of a crowd. And we could, we can see it really reaches. And what she says is it's beautiful. Ju- nothing but the pure truth. You know, it says the measure of any society is how it treats its women and girls. Yeah. Your story is my story. Trump um, got into office while we were recording. The day we started. The day we started. So so we'd sort of got down there and then everyone had gone off. And then I I remember so clearly seeing my phone in the morning. And the thing that happened that day, it was quite, I think it was quite obviously everyone's sort of used to it now, but it was a shock at the time. And everyone in the room that day, was wearing black yes. without ever discussing it or thinking about it. And someone pointed that out and I was like, wow. And everyone was wearing black, head to toe. And, which, we, and we did ash. And we did ash that day. Which, and away, away. We, which says we can see through the walls, through, through the, the ceilings and floors. We, we are ashes moving around. around, no more heart, no, no more home, home, but keep walking alone. We are ashes moving around. I mean, it says it all. We did Ash the same day and then we did Away, Away, <laughs> which like sums up the feeling, the whole feeling of it. But it was inc- what was incredible was that given that that kind of happened, yeah. I mean, you've got to use these things as, I mean, as, a, as a spur. You can't use these things to sort of stop you doing what no. you need to do. And what was incredible was that, 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 he, that he was part of this, yeah. right? because there was no avoiding that was going on. But the fact that we ended up with Michelle on the record is really an incredible thing given the timing of it and an unlikely thing to have happened. But it does sound amazing. So um, we should hear it, really, um, for people to to witness the wonder of this recording. You should just explain what we were referencing with that. mm -hmm. So we wanted it to also fill like a field song cotton field like a cotton field song and richard was like oh yeah yeah and he was like i know what you need and it's we referencing grandma's hand grandma's the, do you know the bill withers song? yes yeah where at the start he's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here it is Which has actually been sampled, hasn't it? That has, yes. Yeah, here yeah. it comes. Yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> I like the So I mean, it's a it's a subtle it's a subtle nod to it, I think, but it's mm. like the same. It's a similar sort. Of but it's really video. powerful. Humming is really powerful. I mean, it sounds a hundred. Uh, it sounds a hundred percent Ibei. Yeah. There. Mm. 
the measure of any society is how it treats its women and girls. Wow, um, three amazing pieces of music, two incredible albums, nicely talked up on National Album Day, which is very exciting. Um, we have just got a few minutes left. I was going to try and get a few questions from the audience that we've had listening to us. While one of you or two of you put up your hands, um, there are a couple of questions we normally ask in tape notes, um, kind of repeat questions that we often ask. Um, one is a piece of advice. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you have had so far in your journey hmm. as artists? Um, having sat next to Michelle Obama oh, um, for yeah. an evening, did Michelle give you any any words of advice? I'm going to say one from Michelle and one from, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the one from Michelle was actually really valuable. She said that when she went out of the, the White House, people around her said, no new friends. Don't trust any new people because you know what they're going to try and they want to use you. And that she said, yes, new friends. And I'm going to I'm going to trust my instinct and I'm actually going to continue. I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to continue to trust this instinct I have in other people, even if it means that sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. And mm. I think that is something we should all do. That's the first thing. And the second thing for me, the most important thing that I would say is as a musician, Know what you want to say. Search what you want to say. Search what you want to give to people and give to yourself and exp and express. Never just do something because it sounds cool or because it's the easy thing or because it's the complicated thing. Because now, so that's the thing. It's like, oh, if I do something really complicated, then it means I'm an artist. You know, we all go through that and it's bullshit. Just do something do you, do that you. means something to you. That wakes you that makes you excited and scared and fantastic that just yeah makes you feel something fantastic is there a piece of kit that you can't live without richard except the essence <laughs> or naomi or lisa <laughs> um my favorite piece of kit is my 808 i mean this is a luxury <laughs> to own one of these things because obviously you can just get the sounds mm. but there's something about the actual machine itself that is a total joy. It's very yeah. simple to use. It's obviously, it's a drum sound that's been around since 1980, but it's still very present in music. And it has an, I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute beast in terms of how much low end it's got. And it's a lot of fun to play with. So I've often thought if the studio was burning, that's what I'd grab. <laughs> I'm away, I'm you away really out the think door. about that? That's so lovely. <laughs> Just, that's you have so much that. stuff that are amazing too. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what was, but sorry, but I'm really interested. What was the best advice you got? Well, I do. I love that, that thing John Lennon said mm. before, you mm. know, that idea that I can't wake you up. You wake you up. I can't cure you. You cure you. That, you know, you've got to, You've got to realise it's sort of all in, all in your hands, and I feel like whenever you complain about something, you're sort of diminishing your ability to do that. So I kind of like I like that idea of like self reliance. Mm. Mm. Right, I'm just looking out to our lovely audience here. 
uh, to see if any of them want to ask you questions. A hands up, um, one over there. So Hi, if you yeah. say who you are and uh, what your Alex, question is. Uh, Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Um, great tracks, by the way. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you. You're a new artist to me, so I'll be exploring your, your music from now, but it's fantastic. Uh, you talked about collaboration and you're kind of opening up to other people coming into you. What's your, what's your plans for going the other way and collaborating kind of with other people, but for their music? Is that something you've thought about? It's actually starting to happen now more and more and more. Uh, people want to work with us. People want to work with us. And I, I really love it. The only thing um, that is a little bit harder for me is that I don't get to spend much time. When you play on someone else's record, you have a day. When they play on mine, I have two months, three months. Um, to get the best out of what I want. So that's the only a little bit triggering thing is I always feel like I could do such a better job if I had more time mm. with with them in the studio and to go deeper but also there's something to learn and um and just putting yourself out there especially when it's music that you don't know or people that you don't know and for the first time we collaborated with uh, an artist called um, Anushka Shankar and actually the song is coming out tomorrow it's funny uh, and um I went to the studio without anything I never do that normally when we go to the studio we're so prepared and for the first time I had nothing and it was actually really amazing to see that we could create out of absolutely nothing and just talking for five seconds and poof a song was born it was fantastic um thank you Alex for that question very interesting um there is another hand over here what's just your name sorry by my the name way. is Phoebe hi, hi Phoebe hi uh, I just wanted to ask, obviously you ladies are real like album artists, which albums kind of influenced you? Great question on National Album Day celebration. Um, Frank by Amy. Yeah. Um, Our Dad's album. It's Chumingua. Yeah. Um, you should say who your dad is so people can uh, find these. Our dad, uh, he was um, called Anga Diaz and he was part of the Buena Vista Social Club. Oh. And his his album is called Ichumingua. I think you were really influenced by James Blake's first album because that hearing that sound made you feel like we should go electronic. Um, I think Miseducation from Lauren Hill. I don't know if it's conscious, but I think it's still probably one of the best albums ever made ever. And I would say Nina Simone, but it's not an album. It's her whole career and Michelle, Michelle and the Goncello, uh, uh, the the album where Better. there's Peter and Faithful. This album changed my life. What you? What are your albums? I mean, I kind of, I don't know if I know that albums that influenced you. Um, of there's so many waves of it, you know. I mean, I think there's a lot of, I think that there's there's a lot of that kind of late eighties hip hop that is, you know. There is no escaping from <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, there's always there's always like amazing things. I think like the, there was a year around when we we were going to make the second one where there was a run of albums where there was like the Blonde album by Frank Ocean. Mm. I really thought that was incredible because I felt I felt like he was just he'd sort of he'd just taken everything to pieces and like the song structures were completely they weren't really song structures there and that's so hard to do that and have it sound. Compelling. I thought that was a masterpiece. That record. There was a 
around that time there was that Sufjan Stevens album you've listened to that yeah, Carrie Sufjan and Lara I thought that's incredible um, just in terms of how much emotion there is in it um, I tried to find what we were listening during the album Listening to a lot of hip hop. I've got we the whole list. <laughs> we we were listening you. to Good I Kisser. I remember. Usher, 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 Good Kisser, which is, which is quite random. But Good we would bang it every single time we finished a song and dance. <laughs> I love that a song to celebrate your own uh, success we, we, in yes, songwriting. Yeah, we live every emotion. Right? I remember <laughs> once we listened to a Kanye song and then we went back to work and I was like, our sound, our song sounds like shit because obviously compared to, <laughs> to Ken, we were trying to produce it, it was not even finished. But compared to Kanye's song, it sounded really bad. Yeah. You've unlocked a can of worms here, Phoebe. Um, it could be here for hours. Um, one more question from anybody in the room for Ibe or Richard. Um, my name's Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Um, Hi. Hello. It's been so lovely to, to hear all the things that you've been saying, so thank you so much. Um, my question is, and you might not have experienced this, but I, I tend to find a lot of people in the creative industries, whether it's music or whether it's in writing or or any other creative output, they sometimes have this sort of block or they, they hit this wall and they start to not necessarily lose faith in themselves, but potentially lose that little bit of inspiration that keeps them going. And I just wondered if you've ever experienced that and if so, how any of you have managed to overcome I don't it? Think I am so glad you talk you asked that question because you were asking you were asking us what are the most amazing like uh, advice you had. Mm. This is an advice you gave me that changed my life, Richard. Um never stop writing. Never. So that you will never have a block. Cuz if you have a block for a month it doesn't matter the next month you continue never like because now we tour a lot Naomi and I we did quite whole school we tour for like two years or two years and a half and if I was not writing for two years and a half and then had a month to write I don't know 60 songs that I like and then bring to Richard 30 songs and then find for in those 30 songs 12 songs it would be a nightmare for me because obviously I had not processed anything in that period of time I, I might have a block, I might feel tired, I might <laughs> feel really uninspired, nothing might have happened in my life for the, you know, that had changed where I would write a full album about. So if you never stop writing, you will never be in that position. Always write, always put it, always draw if you draw, always keep it in like notebooks, never throw anything, even the bad, keep the bad, because the bad helps you to get the good out. Um, so yeah, that changed my life. And I think that what Lisa's explained there, what she's talking about, that's the emphasis is on doing the work yeah. rather than any other aspect around it. It's just the doing of it. And that that is, a, um, that is good for you. It's just good for you to have an outlet. And I, I also think it's, it's worth seeing creativity and, and whatever your outlet is. And I believe everyone's got one and it doesn't have to be something that you you know that is your profession and I think that's that's a, that's a privilege if it is if it ends up being that but I think it should be seen like going to the toilet like you, you don't want to stop doing that because because yeah. <laughs> if you don't get it out it's wow, a necessary that is a beautiful analogy I love it it's you know it's I mean it's it's and it's messy 
and you've got to get it out one way or the other. <laughs> so it's, and if you don't, it's, that's at your peril. And I, be, I believe that will make you ill to not <laughs> one way or the other, to not have any type of creative outlet. And all children have creative outlets. Yeah. And imagination, and imagination, and then yes. people think they get old and they think, well, I'm not meant to do that anymore. Because I'm, and the amount of the people put themselves down so much about their creativity as well, or on every level. Mm. So whether it's people like you know, of course, I mean, I can't really sing, and it's like, well, you can. I mean, everyone can. Everyone can do all of these things, or whatever you want to do, you can do it, and it doesn't have to be for any other purpose other than the the doing of it. But then I think also when it becomes, when you do become a professional. Mm whatever level that also has its issues of yes. like that can get in the way of the creativity because there's stuff riding on it and you know and how many streams has that one got and how many streams of, you know and all that yeah. stuff does not help with creativity and mm. people look at it a lot and spend mm. a lot of time looking at stuff like that so um yeah create basically that's why you say tell them create get it out of there keep the tap on there you go yeah fantastic so many words of wisdom. Thank you very much for your question, Rebecca. Thank you to Alex and to Phoebe. Uh, thanks to everybody here in the Malocco studio, big room, um, for being here as part of this special edition of Tape Notes. Thank you. Thank you to Sennheiser for providing all these headsets that you've all been listening to us talk and uh, share the music with via... I think that makes a sentence. And um, thank you, of course, to Lisa and Naomi, who are Obeyi, and to Richard Russell, who is Richard Russell. Um, <laughs> I'm John Kennedy. Thank you very much for being here. Thank and you. thanks to AIM and National Album Day. Oh, yeah. And we're going to play out with a little bit of River by Obeyi from the debut album, um, whether the... Uh, the two songs that were the first to emerge on their debut vinyl release. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Wash my soul again. Carry away my dead leaves. Let me baptize my soul with the help of your waters. Sink my veins and complaints. Let the river take them. River, drown them. My ego and my blame. Let me baptize my soul with the help of your waters. Those old means so ashamed.